Hey, if you like listening to this podcast, you'll probably like watching the clips on YouTube as well. You can find it at youtube.com slash Bill Simmons. Six years of podcasts. Rewatchable stuff is on there. Book of basketball stuff as well. All the clips from the newest podcast. Check it out. YouTube.com slash Bill Simmons. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is stressful enough just with the airport situation. No matter where you're going, it's always packed. You're always worried the weather might be bad. Is my plane going to get delayed? You just want the actual place you're staying at to be a lights out experience. So if you've booked a vacation rental and you found yourself stuck making small talk with the host where you've arrived to find out it doesn't look anything like the pictures, you know, that's, that's the worst. You could avoid the awkwardness with Verbo. Verbo has helped travelers find great private vacation rentals for nearly 30 years. You heard me correctly. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your private vacation rental in the Verbo app. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. If you love the British Open, you can check out the Fairway Rolling Podcast. I'll be reacting to the final day on Sunday. Joe House is going to be on later. We're going to talk a whole bunch of basketball stuff on this podcast. A little British Open at the end. Talking about the impact of the lift tour. We talked a little NFL over-unders as well. But the main part of this podcast is uh, the DeAndre Ayton extension, some fake Donovan Mitchell trades, some post-trade value reactions, uh, a lot of basketball stuff. This is really the last time. I am taking a bunch of weeks off and I'm going to be coming back probably the third week of August, somewhere in there. Still going to be on the rewatchables because we banked a couple of those. So every Monday on the rewatchables, I will still be popping up on there. In my absence, we did create something a little special for you. We created a feed. It's called the Bill Simmons Podcast, The Interviews. You can follow it or subscribe to it right now. It goes live next week. And it's basically 120 of the best interviews that I've done over the past six and a half years, which, you know, we've had a lot of great guests. We've had a lot of famous people, had some awesome interviews in person. Um, all kinds of actors, comedians, athletes, A-listers, former presidents. So they're hard to find if you go through the archives, especially if you're uh, coming relatively new to the podcast, if you came the last couple of years and you became a fan, you started listening. It's hard to go back into the archives and find all this stuff. So we made it super easy for you. It's going to launch next week. We're going to have an accompanying hub and you can just kind of go through and it's like, oh, I didn't realize he interviewed Michael B. Jordan. I'm going to go listen to that. He did, he did Michael B. Jordan right after Creed. He had Tom Hanks. He had Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people in there. So uh, that is live now. It's called the Bill Simmons Podcast, The Interviews. And you can follow and subscribe to it now. It goes live next week. And we're going to put something tiny on this feed next week, just explaining how to find the hub that uh, you can go onto the onto the internet 
and you can see all the guests. So very excited about that. I am going to be disappearing and you're not going to miss me because nothing's going on. I mean, what's going to happen? And I'll tell you this, if there's some massive trade, if there's like a KD trade or something crazy happens, I will emerge from hibernation and I'll do something on this feed. So um, I promise. I'm, the, I'm, I'm going away, but I'm not going to be under a rock. So, you know, you never know with this stuff, especially during the summer, especially with football and basketball. All right. House is next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, we're taping this. It is 1.22 Pacific time. Thought this was going to be a nice, easy podcast right before my vacation with my buddy Joe House. Nice and quiet. We're going to talk British Open. I was going to throw some Donovan Mitchell trades at him. And then, of course, because it's the rule of these things, DeAndre Ayton does, does a, an offer sheet with the Pacers for a max, like, $133 million. And now it's like a seven-hour window where before the offer sheet locks in, he can be in all these signing trades. So if Kevin Durant's ever going to Phoenix, it's going to happen in the next seven hours. So we're on the clock. We decided to proceed with the podcast anyway. House, I might have to do a part two. Drunk House might have to be invited back because I know, I know, I know you're going out to dinner, and then Drunk House will show up at about nine o'clock. Um, it's the most fun if he just goes to Indiana and Phoenix gets taken off the Durant table because House, what I really want is for Durant to just go back to Brooklyn and for him not to be traded. That's what I want. What do you want, you, House? You know that you and I are in lockstep uh, uh, on this front and for a whole bunch of reasons that actually run in favor of KD himself and Kyrie himself. Like It's not often the case that you and I are looking out for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and yeah. trying to tell them what's in their own best interest. But what, what's in their own best interest is going back to Brooklyn and playing competitive basketball in the Eastern Conference with their good brother, Ben Simmons, along for the ride. That would be the best case scenario from my perspective this season. Yeah, Van Halen had a song during the Sammy Hagar era, which I know you didn't like that much, called Finish What You Started. It was called Finish What You Started. Why? Why? <laughs> And it was like, come on, baby, finish what you started. That's how I feel about KD. Kyrie, I've given up on. I've given up on him completely. I have no expectations of him at all. And I assume that it's just going to go badly for him. And then they'll end up buying him out and I'll sign with the Lakers in February would be my bet because it took everybody two weeks to realize that there was no chance he was getting traded to the Lakers so that the Nets could take $11 million more of Russell Westbrook. That was like $50 million plus in luxury tax just so they could get one pick. Nobody's doing that. So the KD piece of it, all of these trades are like, all right, here's everything we have for KD. And now KD's in a worse situation than he'd be in Brooklyn. I also think like big picture, the more I listen to people talk about it, the more I think about it, big picture. I just think it's, there's no good outcome for him going anywhere else. The way he's going to be remembered as a great basketball player, I think we'll just have a little mark next to it. Well, and we he can still avoid this. Lots of guys have been right. unhappy, wanted to be traded, and then stayed, most famously Kobe, summer of 2007. There's been a lot of other examples. It's the best for him if he just stays and he kicks ass with this Brooklyn team 
And I still love Durant and I'm still in on Durant. He had a wonderful subtweet yesterday uh, about legacy where he, he tweeted out to all of America, what did you do today to add to your legacy? And, and Marsha let him know that Marsha loaded up the dishwasher and K- <laughs> KD was very complimentary of Marsha building on her legacy. So KD really does, notwithstanding all that tongue in cheek, which is just marvelous. I mean, yeah, I like let it. him going right at it. He's the, he's the best. He really is the easy sniper. Um, but, but, you know, he knows what's at stake and really his, his legacy would be best enhanced by a successful Brooklyn season. Right. Figuring out, they don't have, the thing is you don't need to figure out your team in mid July. We talk about this all the time. You don't need to fill out the entire roster. You don't need to make out all your trades yet. You can wait until August, September, all the way through to February. And just because there's not a Kyrie deal right now, doesn't mean there's not a Kyrie deal four months from now. And by the way, if Kyrie comes to camp and he's awesome. Right. And he drops 48 on somebody. Maybe that opens up the trade market for him. What if the Knicks don't get Donovan Mitchell? Like, who knows? You just don't know what the options are. So anyway. And and KD knows that. I mean, uh, Kyrie knows that. Kyrie knows that his best uh, option to grab more leverage in the situation, including leverage if ultimately what he wants is a longer term deal from Brooklyn, his best way to grab that is by by being a good soldier for two months. You know, it's not even that much uh, time and energy. Can I push back? Go ahead. You said Kyrie knows that. <laughs> you don't think he understands basic leverage, how it operates? What's your evidence that he understands any piece of this in a logical way that's not through some distorted Kyrie prism of the events? I just I don't, have, I don't know. Like, I know how I would look at it if I was him. And I was like, man, I played the sign and trade card. Not a lot of interest. Time to look in the mirror. Nobody wants to trade for me. I'm on an expiring deal, 36 million. I can put up 25 to 30 points in any NBA, NBA game I want. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's time to look at the mirror just a tiny <laughs> bit. That's how that's how you and I would no, look at it. But no he's chance. not looking he's at not it that doing way. it that way. Not, no. that's, well, that's what you said. Kyrie knows this. I don't. What does I he think, know? I think he knows that the best way to have the most options is is to play good. And I mean, that's always the thing that always gets lost. It seems with him is that he forgets that that he's a basketball player. He yeah. forgets sometimes that he's getting the 40 some million dollars that he got last year was to play basketball. Yeah, to be part of a team, to be reliable. I don't know. It's not hard. To be a I, good teammate, to not drive away other teammates, I to thought, not drive away guys that were previously thought to be friends, like James Harden. Did you read the Dragic thing? I have not read it yet. Dragic, first of all, I love nothing more than translated interviews. It's a, it's always like, it's a transit. They, they can't get it a hundred percent right, but it's always like some sort of dagger. So Dragic said, um, he talked about how he played, um, he signed with the bulls and how he went, he almost did it last year, but he went with the nets instead. And he said, he said he played with Katie and Kyrie and added, it was quite hard because it wasn't about the team, but more about individual performances. Now he said this in another language. Goran Dragic, I think pretty well-liked teammate in Phoenix. Um, I guess he had he had a little trouble in, in Phoenix that last year, but then Miami, I think he was really well-valued. Um, but that's, that's the part with KD 
that I don't think he totally sees. And now oh. I don't, I don't want to talk about the psychology of players too much because Sheriff Draymond, Draymond Green might come in <laughs> on the, in the new media police car. Really? Like, yeah. oh, wait, you're talking, oh, here's a guy I didn't play basketball talking about. Well, that's unfortunately my job. I'm sorry, Sheriff Draymond. But, uh, but I don't think KD sees the part where they went to Brooklyn and they created this culture there and he then became responsible for the culture. Once you're deciding who's on the team, who the coach is and all that stuff, then that's the culture you created. And if somebody like Gordon Dragic looks at it and says it's all about the individuals, which from afar, us knowing nothing, did seem like it was a little bit about the individuals. Did seem like it. Then I want KD to look in the mirror too and be like, you know what? I'm one of the great players we've ever had. I'm one of the great scoring forwards. I am probably the greatest scoring forward. And this is year 16 for me and I want to kick some ass. Now, he might not think that way. He might just be like, I just want a ball. All I care about is playing basketball. I don't care about this other stuff. He um, might also, though, on the other hand, he might care about all those. We don't have any evidence suggesting that he's not thinking this way, that he's not taking responsibility. He's not out making public <laughs> statements about it one way or the other. The only public statement that he's made, and actually he, he didn't make the statement, it was his agent, was that he asked the organization to explore trading him and there are yeah. we've all tried to fill in the blanks as to what might motivate kd to seek that 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 outcome um and we don't have any satisfactory answers because nobody's asked we haven't had the opportunity to ask kd and have kd explain it to us and because most of the people that i think cover basketball, talk about basketball, whatever. They don't think about like the previous, like basically the 20th century, all the things that happened. We've had a lot of unhappy superstars. Going, Wilt, Wilt got traded twice and was unhappy pretty much every other year for his entire career. Um, Magic Johnson, he asked to be traded and they fired the coach the next day in 1981, his third season in the league. They fired Paul Westhead, but he was so miserable, he literally asked to be traded in a post-game press conference to a bunch of shocked reporters. Larry Bird, near the end of his career with the Celtics, was super unhappy and there was a lot of, he didn't like the offense he was in and and that got super dicey. You just go through Hakeem Olajuwon. He almost got traded. We've had unhappy players. It's Kobe. really hard to find the right. Kobe, I, you could go on and on. So it's not about that. But to me, for him, I think he has to realize that the best situation is actually in Brooklyn. Now, maybe he's, he looked under the Ben Simmons hood and didn't like what he saw. And that's a piece of this. That's the, that's To me, that is the variable that I don't know. If he saw something with the Ben Simmons piece that he he's like, oh man, I got to deal with this guy next season. Get me out of here. I, I think, and you uh, covered this with Rosillo a little bit um, over the the podcast, you know, just, just a, a whole bunch of them lately. The, the one of the possibilities and the one that makes the most sense to me is the unhappiness has to do with what he might perceive as a lack of conviction by ownership, by, by Nets the, ownership and, the front and Nets management. Yep. And their lack of conviction is the, the source because KD, uh, maybe his expectation was that the Nets were going to sign Kyrie to the three-year deal that Kyrie was wanting. And that would have been the vote of confidence, the support that KD was looking for, desirous of, that, look, we we know that last season, you know, went the the sideways way that it did. But, uh, you know, Ben Simmons, we're going to, we got hardened out. Maybe that, that the timing of getting 
James Harden out of here and bringing Simmons in, that might really work. This is the foundation. KD believes in that foundation. And then management didn't extend Kyrie in a manner that KD expected. And maybe ultimately that is the goal, right? Maybe it's what yeah, you but- said in the podcast. He goes into Joe Sy's office with his agent and they say, give us the vote of confidence, extend Kyrie, let the, let us go out and, and do our thing. Yeah, but Katie's a smart guy, I think. Okay, okay. He's got to understand the Kyrie extension thing. I can't imagine he doesn't. You've got to just look at that at least somewhat objectively and understand that this is now a guy who cannot be paid for more than one year at a time. Not to sound like Stephen A, but he- the, I, I think until he proves otherwise, I don't understand how you would think it's a good business decision to give him a multi-year contract in a sport that has a salary cap that if you screw up with a contract, it is like having a torn ACL on your roster, basically. He believes in the talent. That much we know for sure. And we don't know enough about their relationship. Yeah. To to say conclusively one way or the other how KD views a commitment by Kyrie. We know how we view it, but we don't know how KD views it. Is it possible this was like throwing a stone in the ocean trying to see what the ripple would be, but ultimately knowing I'm probably not getting traded? Or do you think KD genuinely thinks he's going to be on another team in October? The former. I think it's throwing a a, a pebble, maybe a smaller body of water. Kind of seeing what's out there. Yeah, because he wants big ripples, and he got big ripples. Um, But, you know, he he tested it so early in free agency, it maximized the, the opportunity set. For the Nets, so that you know all assets were, were available, he could see the 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 entire league, and um you know take take inventory of who was going to bring what to the table. Um, well, but I would say it backfired in some ways because I don't we didn't, didn't even get momentum on a trade. I mean, this Miami, I, I thought Mahoney and Barry on the Ringer NBA show they were funny talking about it yesterday about how Hero Robinson. And a couple picks is just the generic, the generic offer for everybody. Um, I I like Tyler Harrow, but that can't be the foundation of a deal for a top twenty not, player. Not for Kevin Durant. And he, even Mitchell. And we'll do Mitchell trades in a second. But even Mitchell, that can't be the foundation. The Donovan Mitchell trade. I mean, he's basically twenty six points a game. He's just an elite offensive player. You're not getting him for bunch of Miami picks that Miami's always good. What are those picks going to do for you? It's like you're getting picks from a bad team. But yeah, with the KD thing, there's just no trade. The The only one just in a vacuum that works for everybody is if Ingram and picks were on the table and he wanted to go to New Orleans and really try to win a title there. And I just don't, he's going to do that. Why not just stay in Brooklyn? Hope it hope it works out. The, uh, the eight piece of this, just quickly. So Phoenix decided he's not a max guy a year ago. And they decide not to do some sort of deal with them. Unquestionably, it was a mistake for how it played out during the season because I do think there was some chemistry, tension stuff. And, you know, look at the result. I'm a results guy, House. The season and the postseason. Yeah. Both. Season and postseason obviously backfired a little bit. Look, you're a max guy if one of the 30 teams in the league thinks you're a max guy. So I guess he's a max guy. It's a little weird to think of him as a max guy. But on the other hand, when you make these lists, like I did my trade value list, you know, he's on there. He's one of the best 50 players in the league. 
there's 30 teams. Everybody's got to have one or two max guys. If you're Indiana, I kind of like it. They got the number one pick in the draft. He's 23. He's played in big games. He's, worst case scenario, a very above average center. Best case scenario, potential all-star, maybe even a third team All-NBA guy. We've seen him guard people like Jokic, I think pretty well. Um, he didn't guard Giannis that well in the finals, but nobody does. But, you know, now they have, they have uh, Halliburton. You know, they have this young team, Duarte. Yeah. They got Matherin. Yep. Um, Aiton. They'll be able to spin Miles Turner for something. Um, I don't know. I like it. I For Indiana, I really like it. Now, I wonder if they're going to end up with them. Because everyone, everyone I'm talking to seems to think Phoenix is going to say, fuck you and match it. Well, that's fine. It's a worthwhile gamble for the Pacers, no, no matter what. And I think the narrative that you just um, walked us through in terms of what the, the Pacers might be up to and, and their goals. I mean, he, he's he's 23 years old, Aiton, right? He's about to turn 24. I mean, these are the they got they have a pretty young team. They really could, you know, rebuild on the fly a little bit here. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, they've cleaned up their their contract situation, getting Brogdon out of, out of the picture. Was helpful. So to the Bra- them. the Brogdon thing makes more sense if they knew they were going to do this Aiton thing. I just wonder why they didn't do it like a few days ago. But yeah, they so they cleared out some cap space for that. Now Aiton comes in, and Brogdon I think was unhappy that the people I've talked to, you know, Rick, Rick Carlisle's running the team. I guess yeah. Even though Pritchard's involved, I think Rick's calling the shots there. And from what I heard, um, I I just think. If I'm rooting for a team and the coach is also running the team, the results are never good. We'd Steve, Kerr, are, Steve yeah. Kerr said this recently. He was on yes. Zach's podcast yeah. and he had a whole thing about when they, when they got the Russell asset for Durant, they had to basically shank Iguodala and send him to Memphis. And Kerr didn't want to do it. And he's like, if I was the GM, I wouldn't have done it. I was loyal to Andre. I just wouldn't have done it. And it was the right thing to do because it led to Russell, led to Wiggins, which led to them winning their fourth title. This is why coaches and GMs shouldn't be the same person. There is not a long track record of successful coach GMs. It's the opposite. It, all you have is a bunch of, of failures. I mean, the Stan Van Gundy will forever go down. Uh, Thibodeau. In, in Tibbs as well, right. It's but, over and it, over again, it's been the case. So anyway, I think, I think that the Brogdon thing... You know, they bring in Hal Burton. Brogdon probably wasn't that happy anyway. He wanted to be in a good team. And Carlisle's the coach. And he's like, uh. And all of a sudden, well, Brogdon's, Brogdon's on play. the Celtics. I mean, yeah. that's the, the key. And, and you know, maybe the Celtics situation will be better for him. More protective. He doesn't need to feel like, you know, whatever the injury, the, the repeating injury thing is, maybe he'll have better luck in Boston. House, I still like Aiton. It's a controversial take. I still like him. Is it controversial? I'm not scared by the 133. If it was four for... So let's play a game. If it's four for 100, do you love it? I love it. I absolutely love it. How about four for 110? I still love it. I think I still love it too. He's good. Four for 115. Now I I blinked. But I still like it. 4-120, I still like it. 4-133, now I'm like, ooh, my sphincter tightened a tiny second, but I, just I'm still the, okay with it. It's just the premium. It's just the Pacers premium. It's the Indiana, a rebuilding team, 
you know, so they, they're, they went they're They're going to go all in. There's no reason to like walk up to it. Don't why, why try and save, you know, 10% over the life of, of the deal yeah. or whatever. Go all in, well, go get the guy. It. That's it. It's a free agent tax. It's a 20%. They got the number one pick in the 2018 draft. We think unless Phoenix matches it. All right, we'll take a break. We're going to make up some Mitchell trades. Hey, got some big news. FanDuel has an all-new mobile gaming app. It's called FanDuel Faceoff. FanDuel Faceoff, where you compete in quick, fun games against real other people for real cash. All sorts of games that you're familiar with, like a home run derby, Wheel of Fortune, puzzle and strategy games. More are on the way. Contests are action-packed. They last between two and five minutes. You can play on your sofa, waiting in line, during a commercial break, whatever. On your schedule is what matters. Plus, you can practice for free anytime, whether it be head-to-head, multiplayer, larger tournaments. FanDuel Faceoff will have something for you. Plus, in contests, you'll be matched against players of similar skill level. So you're never totally overmatched, even as a beginner. Faceoff is also tied to your FanDuel account and wallet, so you can easily use your daily fantasy funds or sportsbook winnings in the app. Hey, play for cash, play for free, doesn't matter. The games are simple and engaging. My favorite is Scrabble Cubes. The best part is it's connected to existing FanDuel Fantasy and Sportsbook accounts. All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com slash Simmons Faceoff to download the FanDuel Faceoff app and get in the game. I've always wanted a Simmons Faceoff. That could have been the sequel. The Nick Cage, uh, John Travolta movie, Simmons Faceoff. FanDuel.com slash Simmons Faceoff. Age and location restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See FanDuel.com slash Faceoff dash terms for terms and conditions. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time, that's usually about. 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, so I did this already in the pod, but then we have a lot of intel. We have also had a lot of people throwing out Mitchell trades and, you know, being the best person in the history of fake NBA trades, which I think I am. <laughs> I think I'm the fake <laughs> so trade modest. NBA GOAT. So modest. Well, I am the Picasso of the trade machine. I, yes, I think we've yes. all established the meist, that. The meister of the trade I've, machine. I've certainly made the most fake trades. I'd put my track record of fake trades against anyone else. And people are doing these fake trades with Mitchell that I just, I just don't get. And one of the things I don't get is if you're Utah and you, you clearly, what did you, what did you settle on for Wambanyama? Uh, Nada for Wambanyama. Oh, I, I, I love wet, it. Right. Wet, wipe your ass for Wemby, like Waste, whatever. <laughs> wasted for, for Wemby. Wasted for Wemby. That makes sense to me. Whatever you want to call it. So if Utah's going to trade Mitchell, at least a piece of this is we're going to be terrible this year. And we're going to have a fire sale for Beverly and all of our role guys. And we're just going to get rid of them. And then the way Danny Ainge thinks is, you know, if I'm going to get a ton of picks, I want to get, I, I want to take advantage of like the weaker teams the more incompetent teams. So, 
you know, the Knicks, obviously, and the Knicks are, I think, are the favorites to get Mitchell. I don't totally understand it from their perspective, why they think Brunson and Mitchell would be the way to go. I don't, I, all the <laughs> Knicks fans in my life are like, there's no way we can give up RJ Barrett, which I think is hilarious. That is um, hilarious. But at the same time, I get it. Like if you can keep those three together. So the consensus seems to be some version of like either Fournier or Rose, Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, maybe McBride, who was really good in uh, Summer League. And then they could do their 23, 25, 27 unprotected. They could throw in a 23 Mavs, 23 Wiz. They could throw in pick swaps. 23 Wiz. God damn it. <laughs> well, it is protected. Congratulations. Um, it's like top 12 protectors. Yeah. 14. I guess here's my question for your house. Would you go all in if you're the Knicks on Mitchell? With, with You have enough assets to make a mega trade. Right. You have all these picks. Picks are ultimately, they're going to have the most value. You have some young players. Toppin has real value. Art, you can play the RJ card. Would you do it now or would you wait and see if there's a better player than Mitchell that might come available in the next six to 12 months? Because as we know in the NBA, these guys keep coming available. So why go all in right here on Mitchell when you just signed Jalen Brunson and now you're going to have a small backcourt and Mitchell couldn't guard anybody in the playoffs last year? Well, he didn't want to guard anybody in the playoffs last year. Let's just be, you know, blunt, blunt about it. Do you think it was defensive sabotage? I wouldn't call it sabotage, but as we know, de defense comes from, from from desire and effort. That that's seventy five percent of it in the NBA. In, I don't my, know. I didn't, how my humble explain the Clippers series the year before. Well, that, I don't that, know. That, that I've never seen him play good defense. And in any event, I think you've hit on. The crucial question, the problem for the Knicks is who is that player? Who is the six-month to 12-month player? Donovan Mitchell's staring you in the face, and he's attractive for a whole bunch of reasons that don't have anything to do necessarily with, with the basketball skill. The basketball skill is pretty effing compelling. Like him getting to a big market and seeing what the love of that now the, now Utah loves its players let there be no doubt but I just mean you know it, it, it is a force multiplier did you just catch yourself because you were afraid of being attacked by the Utah fans it felt, I, I, that felt like a very self-conscious I have been attacked I've been attacked by the Utah, <laughs> the fans, Utah fans they're attackers they never let me forget the shit that I talked about George Hill who played good for them for for four months and <laughs> You know, made made a career out of out of uh, you know the all star George Hill. But in any event, this was a handful of years ago. I think the Knicks would be better served going all in for Donovan Mitchell now rather than the the waiting and, and seeing thing because I think that they think that they have um, an asset who wants to come to them and make a new mark, make a make a new name, rebrand all together, create momentum in New York City for exciting basketball, all of those factors don't really have anything to do with the sort of the, the talent aspect, but they're, they're very important, I think, to both the way that Donovan Mitchell might think about the situation and what the Knicks know about the situation, which is they cannot repeat the, this, this subpar lack of effort. And, and, I, and the, seriously, they got to do something about Julius Randle. They have to fix that, that wet fart. Because with that the the wet stain that he's leaving in Tibbs's pants is just so brutal, so undermining. Speaking of sabotage, 
they have to fix that. But the idea of a, of a can of I a give you the Julius Randall fix? I, I'm 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 dying to hear it. Didn't have a point guard last year. Now he's got somebody who know who knows how to get him the basketball and can run an offense. He's Oof. gonna be super happy this year. Oof. All NBA guy a year ago. It's only a year ago. Yep. On a weird team last year. Didn't have anybody who could get him the ball. What was that weird? I'm I'm just giving You're you, saying that Derek I'm Rose giving you the, is the is the Randall Whisperer? That's I'm the giving difference you the between spin. Derek Rose and not Derek Rose. I'm giving you the spin. Well now he's got he's, he's it's got, a stinky spin. He's got Mitchell and he's got Brunson. He's got two guards. So he'll be know, know how to give him the ball. Because he he thinks he's an alpha. I we, mean, let we're not no just doubt. getting Donovan Mitchell. We're getting Julius Randle back. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I like I'm it. Just doing I like the PR. It. I'm doing I like the PR it. right now. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're making the case for me. That's that's what? also part of the case for the Knicks. That what they must be saying to themselves, right? Well, they they've always liked Mitchell. Mitchell's a CAA guy. Leanna West were there when he got signed. Um, all the CAA people were adamant that Mitchell was going to come back to haunt all the teams that passed him when he went 13th in that draft. And I think he haunted at least a few of them. For sure. He went to Greenwich Country Day. Okay. A school very near and dear to my heart. He's an East Coast guy. And I think he would probably enjoy a bigger stage. So the Knicks probably feel like they're the favorites. The case for going all in now would be, at least you now have the asset. And now worst case scenario, maybe he spun off into a different trade, right? Because he might even have more value than, you know, than than his actual effect on a basketball court. What do you mean? Two years from now? Well, it could be six months from now. At least he's six an asset. Six now. Well, whatever. Oh, You're just if it, getting if it, if it goes a major in a worse, asset. If it goes in a worst case scenario direction immediately upon his arrival, there's nothing comp- other than whatever the collective bargaining restrictions are on trading a guy you've just acquired. That, just that thought, would be the only restriction. Thought experiment. Not, not, don't aggregate this aggregator, people. If you're the Knicks in the back of your heads, are you thinking this ruin, this now ruins our chance for Anthony Davis if that Lakers situation goes sideways? And am I overvaluing Anthony Davis by even saying that? Wait, say that again? Anthony Davis? Anthony Davis down the road. Because if I'm doing this Mitchell trade now, the scenario of, a really super unhappy Laker team in January with LeBron being like, yeah, I'm, I'm not resigning after this season. I'm out. And Davis like, well, I'm going to be unhappy and we don't have any picks. How are we going to get better? What's the move? Maybe I need to be like, I know I just so don't. You're shaking your head, but there's a lot of teams in the league. People are watching the Lakers thing really carefully. That makes perfect sense. You need to have, for me, we need to have proof of concept that Anthony Davis can play 60 games of professional basketball. That's why I brought that up. Has he declined as an asset enough that you can't have that in the back of your head because he's not the same guy that we thought he was three years ago? He has in my book. Yeah. Well, he's another Kentucky guy. Wes has real ties to Cal Perry, the whole thing. I think it's extended family. I don't, I don't take that stuff lightly because that's how they got Brunson. Brunson didn't even take a meeting with the Mavericks. You know? Oh, like those I didn't guys, hear that. Well, the, when it, remember it was being reported, oh, he's going to have one last meeting. He didn't have a meeting. He just signed, okay. he signed the deal. So anyway, the Mitchell thing for me, last two years, 26, five and four. 
44, 37, 85% splits. Turns 26 in September. 21 FPR, 33.2 usage the last couple of years. So the advanced metrics look pretty good. I test. I remember going to that Clipper game. I went to all the Clipper Utah games during when COVID felt like it was lifting and then all of a sudden it wasn't summer of 2021. And he was playing hurt. But he was kind of feeling it at one point in, I think it was the elimination game or one of the games. And he just took over the game for like a quarter. I do think he has that special quality. Kyrie has it. Lots of guys have it. It's not like there's three guys in the league who has it, but he does have it. He does have that. I can go into somebody else's building and kick ass. I can be in my own building and something really special might happen. As a scoring guard, he does have that. It's really hard for me to not think about how bad he was defensively in the playoffs and whether he's a winning player. And then Russell and I talked about the just a whiff of Westbrook with him, where he just seems to need the ball a lot to oh. to just he just seems to need the ball a lot, and it's the old question of how much fun would he actually be to play with. So those would be my two questions. Uh, can I add a third? Yeah. How do you think people are sizing up forecasting the likelihood of success of him playing for Tibbs? How does that factor in? How does the Tibbs factor play out? I don't know. Like, if you had to do an over-under on how long is Tibbs going to be the Knicks coach, and I said a year and a half, would you go over-under? Under, way under. I mean, I honestly yeah, I don't, think... I don't care about that. I, well, it's not it's not the care about part, but, you know, for them to have this this sort of big three plus, you know, whatever re, re, rejuvenation of, of Randall, is Tibbs the right steward for that? It's a good question. Certainly didn't look like it last year. Did One not. thing... Mitchell's been pretty durable. I don't think he's had a major injury yet. In the especially in the playoffs, he's been able to play big minutes. He's been able to play hurt, stuff like that. Um, I just think from that standpoint, he's a good bet if you're giving up the assets. But if I were a Knicks fan, a RJ, unless it was just RJ and a contract for Mitchell straight up, I, I don't. I just wouldn't be throwing in like RJ and three picks, but I think the, I think the Knicks aren't going to do that. So it would have to be something along the lines of what I, what I mentioned. I don't but. think Utah wants that, right? Yeah, it's I not think what, they want the young guys playbooks. They want picks, yeah. But they, do you believe in the history at all? Like, I, as you know, your team has a somewhat tortured history, and by uh, somewhat I mean tortured. Yeah. And we talked about how the Bradley Beal contract is symbolic of all of these other terrible contracts the Wizards have given over the years. And I don't know, with the Knicks, this, do, do you get like a little Marbury flashbacks with this trade? If it was something, <laughs> just a ton of, it's like, oh man, they got Marbury. I and feel like, like cool, the assets, now we lost in round one with Marbury. Where, where did we go? Well, uh, the, the assets are worth it though, because, you know, their, their option tree that doesn't have 50 branches on it. You know what I mean? It has two branches or three branches. And the price for Mitchell is the right price. That That's the thing that to me is is most compelling. If they can get away with acquiring this guy, giving up some first round picks and just, you know, and, reinvigor and reinvigorating. Toppin's good. I like him. He's I a like good Toppin too. role player. Um, and and he's, he's, you know, I think probably the most valuable asset re coming back for the Knicks other than the picks. 
But right, well, you know, so wait, let me rank the trade packages for you though. Davis being a ten, Gobert being like a nine. Um, I guess Paul George would be an eight. What what's Harden? I mean, the Houston fans are gonna get mad, but <laughs> I still I that that's still a TBD to me. Although Easton looked, I mean, I I think Easton was a good pick, me but too. I I'm still not positive that they got an awesome asset out of that trade. They they might, but I don't. It, I feel the same way about the Paul George trade. If Shea Gilgis Alexander wasn't in it. Like in every trade you look, there was some awesome asset in the trade, right? Brandon Ingram was in the AD trade. SGA was in the Paul George trade. And then you had all these picks. The Drew Holiday trade, the asset was getting rid of Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. And you go on down the line, in the Harden one, it doesn't have the asset. If they had gotten Jared Allen out of it, you could have been, well, they got Jared Allen and all these picks. But they didn't keep any of the players. So I don't, it, it, to me, that's still a TBD. At okay. least with Utah, if they got Toppin and they got Miles McBride and they got all these picks and you could be like, oh, well, maybe Toppin will make it. I don't know. But I also don't think Mitchell's as good as Harden was, obviously. They they shouldn't, he shouldn't get as much. Right, right. I think it's super fair. I really like it for the Knicks. I mean, I know we have to indulge the possibility of other teams and we'll do the Miami well, thing. Well, I have that. No, I have this right now. We're going to take a break and I'm going to throw three trades that I like more than the next trade for Utah. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day at work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all-new Cantina Chicken Menu from Taco Bell is exactly that, made with high-quality ingredients like seasoned slow-roasted chicken, pico de gallo, shredded purple cabbage, and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken Menu at Taco Bell now. Okay, here's how I'm thinking. I, I teased this earlier about Danny. If I'm Utah, I want picks from a team that I know is incompetent and has a proven track record of incompetence. Now, you might say the Knicks qualify, and if you wanted to say that, I wouldn't really be able to fight back. The Knicks, five playoffs since 2001. They've had one winning playoff series this century. They've had 11 top 10 picks, plus they traded three more. That's just since 2001. So that's certainly an incompetent franchise. James Dolan's been the owner the whole time. He's going to remain the owner. It's a good thing to trade with them. I'm going to offer you Sacramento. Zero playoffs since 2006. No 41-win season since 2006. And they've had 13 top 10 picks since 2006. That's a team I want a lot of picks from. For sure. Charlotte, three playoffs since 2002. They've had 11 top 10 picks. That's a team, they, they, Jordan's going to stay the owner. 
That's a Lamelo. Who knows how long he stays? That's a team I might want picks from. And then your uh, your beloved Wiz. Since nineteen eighty nine, ten playoff appearances total. You've had seventeen top ten picks in thirty three years, and you're paying Bradley Beal one hundred and thirty million dollars a year. <laughs> I want your picks. So I'm going to look at it that way. So going in order, Charlotte. And you'd be like, Charlotte for Mitchell? It's like, yeah, why not? Like they're in this Miles Bridges situation that is just an absolute awful, awful nightmare of a situation. He might he might go to jail. He might not yes. play next year. He might not. Yes. Like he just might be off the team. They have LaMelo and really that's it. Plus Book Knight. They have, uh, they took uh, the guy from Duke, the center. And they have some veterans, right? I mean, Hayward. Right. So if it was Hayward and Kelly Oubre and, and Booknight, and then three firsts and a swap, and I sent back Mitchell and Beasley, I would rather have that than the Knicks offer. Sheerly on the basis that Charlotte's going to stink. If you if you line up Charlotte's roster and compare it to the Knicks roster, yeah. which of these two teams is more certain to miss the playoffs? Charlotte's me. not going to spend money. I don't have to worry about them going over the luxury tax. They'll have LaMelo and they'll have Donovan Mitchell and they'll be fun to watch. But like one guy gets injured for one year or somebody's unhappy, who knows? And now I have a lot of their picks. I actually don't think Charlotte would do that, but that would be, I would be kicking the tires on that if I'm Utah. If I'm, Wash, if I'm looking at Washington, Will Barton, Hachimura, Johnny Davis, your, your guy you just took, 10th shooting guard. I'm I'm familiar. He's yeah. eight for twenty nine in summer league. <laughs> That's not a joke. <laughs> he, From the field, eight he for twenty nine. He felt the busty ish out of all the picks the moment the ladder happened. One for and eleven, got, four for eleven, three for seven. All right, I got those three, and I got three unprotected firsts and a pick swap. Do I feel better about those picks coming in roses for me than I would with the Knicks? That means Donovan Mitchell gets to play with Bradley Beal and Kristaps Porzingis? Yeah, the big three. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, for, from Utah's perspective, that that I don't I don't think they want to take that on. I mean, that Washington team, that's a that's a that's a play-in team. That's a that's a 7 seed waiting to happen or 8 seed. So you still like the Knicks and rolling the dice against Brunson, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, a luxury tax team, RJ Barrett, you think that's a better bet to have shitty picks than than Porzingis, Beal, and Mitchell? I just think Julius Randle is such a bad actor. I just think just he, last year, maybe he had a bad year. His his he doesn't have a career. It's like Will Smith. The, maybe it's like just a bad bad year, <laughs> bad moment. <laughs> He's banned for ten years because of that bad moment. Yeah, Will Smith is worse. All right, here's my favorite. I can't believe this team has not been mentioned. They're a playoff team. They have one of the best five players in the league. The Denver Nuggets. Oh. What if it was Michael Porter, Ish Smith, Jeff Green, two firsts, and three swaps, and I get Mitchell and I get Pat Beverly? That's, that's bad for Utah. Denver's good. They have the back-to-back MVP. 
He he dragged them into the first round of the playoffs. But I'm getting Michael Porter. And they Porter. won a game. But I'm getting Michael Porter. <laughs> Who I mean, look, I, I don't want to make jokes. I do not want to make jokes. Like, well, he he missed the entire year last year. Yeah. And so what's we, your level of confidence that he's going to play basketball and be able to play 70 games a year? What's the so level of confidence? Guess what I'm doing if I'm Utah? Michael, you're taking another year off. Sure. Get yourself healthy. We we have some facilities in Italy and Greece and Germany. And Germany. we're going to really work on your back. And we're totally cool if you don't want to play this year. Okay. And then we get those Denver picks. Okay. I'm just asking, do you like that trade more than the Knicks? Because think about it from the Denver side. If I'm Denver, it's like, holy shit. Now I have Murray and I have Mitchell. And uh, and and I have uh, Jokic, obviously. Maybe yeah. I'm maybe instead they got of Beverly, KCP, who's a professional basketball player. Maybe instead of Mitchell, maybe I, maybe I'll try to get Boyan Bogdanovich instead. I mean, I, instead of Beverly, and I get Mitchell and Boy and Bogdanovich. That it's team Bob is Center too Boyan good. That it's Boyan on that team. It's Boyan on that team. If I'm Denver, I'm just going all offense. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna get the stops that Golden State and Boston were getting in the playoffs last year. But what I can do is score 130 points a game. It's and a be good team awesome. what you're talking about, though. How yeah. does that fit Utah's desires? They don't want draft picks from from a good team. Yeah, but I got, I'm getting Michael Porter Jr., though. That's my play. Okay. All right. So you don't like that That's, one. What's your favorite well, out of the four? It's just a lot of, of investment in, in Michael Porter Jr. stock. I mean, you really have to okay. understand back science, and microdisectomy surgery, and mm. all, you know, you better better have a really strong surgical staff uh, there in Utah. Now, I don't know, did D Wade get the same surgery as as uh, Michael Porter Jr.? Uh, I, I mean, you know, D Wade's yeah. in the mix, so but you need you need really smart uh, scientists, me- medical professionals in the mix if you're going to go in that direction. The Knicks is the best play because but I those just, four, the four that we mentioned. Yeah, all four of those offers and packages are better than Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson, and some picks from a team that is never bad ever. That's a I, fact. I want to go fact. with teams that have proven to lose over the last twenty plus years. Yes, teams that have either weird ownership situations or just a proven track record of incompetence. Agreed. That's why I want to trade Donovan Mitchell too, if I can. You didn't make a Sacramento deal. Sacramento well, is the most incompetent franchise. I'm about to because it's my favorite of the bunch. <laughs> Darren Fox. Okay. Two first round picks and a pick swap for Mitchell. Ooh. Okay. Huh. If you're Sacramento, you're thinking, hmm, Darren Fox is a good player. Mitchell's been in playoff series. He's Proven he can go toe-to-toe with other great players. He could be a real star for us. Now I have Mitchell and Mitchell in the backcourt with Malik Monk and Kevin Herter, two of my favorite players in the league. I have Keegan Murray, star of the Summer League. I have Harrison Barnes. I have Sabonis. I have Rashawn Holmes. I have maybe a buyout guy in February. I'm having real ideas now because Donovan Mitchell is better than De'Aaron Fox. Donovan Mitchell is better than De'Aaron Fox. And if I'm facts, and if I'm Utah, I'm like, look, Donovan Mitchell's better than Darren Fox. Give us some picks and, and some swaps. And you're just hoping Sacramento, who again, no playoffs since 2006. You're hoping Vivek is just like, 
fuck it. I'm taking a swing. Donovan Mitchell, 31 in playoffs last three years. Donovan Mitchell, 23 games, 32 points a game, 32, five and five, 46, 41, 81% splits. I'm looking at that. I'm like, this guy could go in a playoff series and maybe beat somebody. Maybe this is my version of Mitch or Chris Webber for Mitch Richmond. <laughs> you just have to do it to me. I know, I'm sorry. With Utah, from their perspective, also part of what um, could be appealing is they, they don't have to feel like they're invested in De'Aaron Fox. Like if they want right. to flip him, come next trade deadline. That's That feels like, you How know. How about this? Then you go to the Knicks and you say, hey, no, you want a Mitchell, but hey, we, we got De'Aaron Fox now. Any interest? Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a similar package. Maybe a couple picks. He was a Kentucky guy. Well liked by those dudes, but yeah, I like, it's weird. That's but I a like nice that. double dip. Think about that. Oh, Sacramento and the Knicks. You get both of them involved. That's a, that is a Danny Ainge mastermind, you know, Machiavelli kind of play. The problem, as we talked about on Sunday in the trade value pod with Priscilla was the happiness piece of it. So you have Mitchell who thinks Who's he's going happiness? In, well, you have Mitchell who thinks he's going in the Knicks. It's like, cool, New York big market. It's Donovan Mitchell time. And then it's like, no, actually we're sending to Sacramento. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. They have made the playoffs since 2006, but you'll love it there. It'll be great. But on paper, I mean, shit. Mitchell, Mitchell, Monk, Herter, Murray, Barnes, Sabonis, and Holmes. That's a league pass team at a That's minimum. a fucking great team. At an for, absolute for bare minimum. Entertainment standpoint. Yes. That's a that's every, like oh, it's a Thursday night and Sacramento's coming on uh, at 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 you know nine thirty or ten o'clock. Am I I guess I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna lose the night because I have to sit here and watch Sacramento. I have one more. Is Saruti, are you on this? Uh oh. <laughs> if Orla if if it came out. Woj tweets, Orlando and Utah in serious talks for Donovan Mitchell. Just what are your, what are the next 10 seconds for you like? I've been trying to talk myself into this for months now because on one, on one hand I go, he's actually kind of the perfect guy that they need. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not worried about the defensive stuff with him. Like he could be a terrible defender and the rest of their roster is a bunch of good defenders. They, they need the 26, 27 point a game dude, right? The other, the, the, the other thought of it is, do I just like, would I be, Awesome. Would I be happy giving up on Suggs and just saying, all right, you know, like we're punting on him essentially and probably some picks. You know, How about maybe. this? How about this? Suggs, you have Isaac, that yep. crazy contract that's now, he's worth 17 as a cap figure, but it's it's kind of waivable. You could, uh, you could maybe throw a little Cole Anthony their way. Okay. And then three unprotected and two swaps. And now all of a sudden you're ready to go. You have a real professional offensive basketball team. The only thing, the only reason I think I would say no to that is because I want to, I want to see at least half a season of just the young guys play it out. Like I, I think I'd be bummed if I didn't see what that looked like. Like Paolo, can he be the guy? Is really? Sugg, is Suggs thing going to turn around? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what I don't do you, know. What do you think you're going to see in that half season? Yeah, you're going to see, I, I, you're see guys you bumping into each see? other. There's, there's good chemistry there. Like it's like there's the camaraderie. Like can I at least get it for a couple of months before we blow it up? And yeah, do I, like. But here's the thing: Are they, What are you blowing up? You're trading yeah. Jalen Suggs and Cole you're, Anthony and 17 it, picks. That, no, you does blowing, that sound like blowing it up. You're blowing up a core that. 
you know, and yes, this is me putting my rosy sunglasses on, but like you're blowing up something that could be like, I don't know, five, 10 years of like a pretty interesting team, competitive team in the East for a little bit of a short term thing. Are we all at all concerned, by the way, about Donovan Mitchell and the way he plays and some of the health stuff too? like small guards in the league? I'm a little worried about that as well. Uh, but Mentioned yeah, it I, earlier. I, yeah. I mean, the the he's a t- just a whiff of Westbrook with him. A little just bit. Just a whiff. A little bit. Um, I was talking myself into whether or not Westbrook would be a good fit for the Magic two summers ago. So, I mean, yeah, I guess here we are with a better version of that. I think I think you have to do it if you're Orlando, but a part of me would still be bummed because I kind of want to see this young core working out. House is all in on Donovan Mitchell to Orlando. By the way, let's, I talk, am. let's talk it out. So, the deal is close and Mitchell's a little wary. So now, now we have now we're in the recruiting phase. You're gonna love it here. No, no state tax. Tiger Woods. Oh, Donovan, there you have a phone call. It's it's the great Tiger Woods. <laughs> he wants to talk to you about how great it is to play for the Magic. Oh, Kevin Clark's on the other line. You, you can call him back later. Tiger Woods is on the phone. Um, it's really nice there. You get to be in Florida. Super chill. Nobody really knows your business in Orlando. Just do your own thing. You get a nice big giant house. You seen Tiger Woods' seven houses in Florida? What else am I missing? House golf? Li- lifetime passes to Disney. Anytime. 24-7 <laughs> <Right>. access to <laughs> Disney. You want to go to the Star Wars exhibit? Take your kids, some friends, grab 15 friends. We- it's 10 o'clock at night. Bring everybody. We're going to open up the Star Wars exhibit for you. You're sitting there for two hours. Ride here's, the Millennium Falcon. Here's here's a Franz Wagner eight-minute YouTube clip. Best of Franz. And here's some Palo Summer League action. I'm sold. Check these two guys out. South Beach or Disney World. I don't, it's a tough call for me, guys. For an NBA guy who's in his mid-20s, it's a tough call. I don't know. I will say this. Orlando has the best deal for what Utah wants if Utah's if if what they want is young players, cap space, and picks from a team that does not really have a proven track record of being that good, Orlando had Orlando can beat the Knicks. Suggs Suggs is equal to the top in asset at the where at where yeah, I actually like it a tiny bit more, and they have just as many picks. To your point. All three of those guys, like I'm still not selling my Jonathan Isaac stock. I love that the contract is basically awesome now. Wow, that um, is like BuzzFeed stock. Well, because, <laughs> yeah, listen, his upside is like defensive player of the year capabilities. I mean, he's that good on the defensive side of the ball. If he's right, like he'll figure it out. And I still he has, think... He hasn't played in seven years. True, he's written more books in the last two years than he has <laughs> appeared in NBA playoff games or NBA games in general. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, you're right. You're getting three guys that actually could, could be decent players in the league plus picks on a team that you know, hasn't had a great track record. It's not terrible. Let me ask you this. What's the ceiling for Orlando then? Are they, is it, does that make them in a couple years, like a legit team in the East? Or are they just like maybe top four? Like, are they like the Bulls where it's like, we're just happy to kind of be here and in the conversation? Well, first of all, the league pass ceiling is almost incalculable. I think that's just, I, they, they were already on my league pass list. And then now I would have to even take them a little more seriously. I think the thing, here's the thing. 2007, the Celtics, House, notice how I was able to weave the Celtics into this. It's really like, this is why I'm the best. Of of course. They trade the number five pick for Ray Allen. And it makes no sense. It's like, why are we doing this? We have Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and Al Jefferson. Our ceiling is like 45 wins. What's the point of this? 
But what Danny saw with this, which is what I think is he doesn't get enough credit for, he realized that that was the gateway drug to the KG trade. And that was the piece none of us saw. We we're like, what the fuck are we doing? It's just going to be Raylan and Paul Pierce. What are we winning? But he saw, if I get these two, now I can get the third guy. And with Orlando, if you have Mitchell and you have Paolo and Wagner and you have this good young identity and whatever, now you're one guy away. You know, you, maybe you're one free agent away. I don't know. Bring back the the '90s pinstripe jerseys, like the classic best. Oh my god! The whole like the whole brand gets rejuvenated. People are diving back in. I listen. Here, the funny thing is, I actually would talk myself more into this if they drafted Chet, not Paulo, because I think like Chet's. (laughs) (laughs) And here we go. Magic fans are gonna get mad at me again, but because he's like more of that complimentary player. I, I don't know. I I just want to see what this team looks like, though. That's that would be my only scare. But I think you have to do it. You have to do it. If you could, if you can get that. Wait, one last question on that. Where? So it's July fourteenth. Where do we stand on Chet, Cheddar oh. Palo? Because this is America's favorite soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta wash my mouth because, uh, yeah, Magic Reddit was very mad at Kevin and I uh, for just being excited about Chet being awesome in his first oh, game. That's all oh, we were wait. doing. Oh wait, Reddit was mad at somebody. I mean, <laughs> yeah, of course stunning. they were. Wait, wait, why are you even reading that? <laughs> stunning. What's um, in your heart? Uh, I listen. Paulo's gonna win Rookie of the Year. He's going to. He's the he's the most ready made yeah. player in the league. House he's got likes an NBA Paolo. body. Look at the house is nodding. What is it like plus three fifty right now? I mean that's that's just that's, yeah. that's money you should that's money in the bank right now. Plow like just, into it is it. what it is. Um, it's, it should not be that high. I still think long term, I'd be bummed if Chet was, wasn't that guy too. I think Keegan Murray could be in that mix. I I'm not doing the overreact to summer league because he did this in college last year. I think he's going to get a lot of shots on that Kings team. That Kings team might be good. I mean, if he averaged like 17 a game for a Kings team that went like 43 and 39, I think he'd be in the mix. I'm with you. Paolo, to me, is the overwhelming favorite. But I, if I had to pick a second guy, I think I would pick Keegan Murray. Who would you have, House? The exact same. I was on with JJ yesterday. We had this very conversation. He's available at 8-1. to one. That's real value. Keegan yeah. Murray's absolutely NBA ready, and the Kings are absolutely, I think, going to give him the opportunity. The rookie of the year thing is just the opportunity. How many times is the guy going to touch the ball? Feel pretty confident that, that Keegan Murray's going to get enough touches. Paolo's going to get the most touches, which is why you, you bet on him. But at 8-1, to one, I like Keegan. It's a good yeah. call. Let me just ask you this really quick because I think I can can Orlando be this year's Cleveland? And by that I mean right. like Evan Mobley, it, Apollo is this year's Evan Mobley. Like they're, just they're, with what you have. They're ahead of schedule. They're you know, and and he's the best player on the team. Like I think that's the pathway to him being obviously the dominant rookie of the year guy. I think it's possible. So you're saying no other moves could they beat Cleveland? Yeah. Yeah, just as is. I think th- I think they're actually like listen, you're gonna laugh. I think I think they're not a terrible team. I think they actually have a good amount of talent. And uh, last year, they were a 500 team when Fultz came back. Just saying. I don't think they could be next last year's Cleveland just because the reason Cleveland was doing that was the defense. And you're not going to be able to play defense like that. Well, the Magic were, I think, for a good stretch last year. Again, this is like when Fultz came back. They were the number one defensive rated team in the NBA for like a, a good, after the All-Star break, they were actually incredible. So I, that's why I wouldn't be worried about Donovan Mitchell. They already have a pretty good you, defensive You think that's staying the same with Paolo and Franz playing it, together? Well, Franz... I, I, Franz is a fantastic defender. He's for a guy. No, but just as those are your move. two forwards, though, I, we'll have to see how it goes. But I think they could hide Paolo in certain certain aspects of the game. Like they're they're not going to be the number one rated defensive team, but I think they could be middle of the pack, sniffing top ten. Mm. You agree with that, House? No, I do not <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> House and I are more dubious. I'm looking at Fanduel. Jabari is seven to one. 
Keegan's seven to one. I, to me, Keegan's odds should be better than Jabari's. I think I'm still, I really like Jabari, but I think he, even summer league, you could see like, it's going to take a lot of time for him from a shot creation standpoint. Summer league is the worst place for a guy like Jabari. He's the ball. Yeah. He's guys setting him up. But That's his defense was good though. Mm-hmm. Um, the Palo plus 330 now and then Chet plus 420. I, uh, I'm with you on the Palo thing. I think he should be like plus 150. I almost feel like if he doesn't get hurt, I would be surprised if he'd next win it. So what we learned is that Orlando is in the same position the next year and they're just not being aggressive about it. Now we saw, I read that whole Windhorse piece about why they waited until the final day to reveal who they were picking first. And guess what? I still didn't understand it. It was like, whoa, <laughs> you're playing high stakes poker. It's like, with who? You had all the cards. It was your pick. I, I, I still don't understand it. Like, I genuinely, honestly, I'm not trying to be a dick. I don't understand it. I don't understand what was the downside of letting people know they might take Palo. Do you I understand it, Sarudi? I don't either. I don't. And like, honestly, if you bring it up again, Magic fans get mad at you. I'm okay to be... To, to ask, it's still okay that for me to ask questions about why that was kept a secret. It do, it, there is no benefit to it. If you were hoping that somebody would trade up, does that mean, like, if you told everybody you wanted Paulo, that would have probably gotten you more offers. Like, the fact that they kept it quiet, like, Houston thought Paulo was going to slide to them. So the only explanation to me is that when it became clear, like, half an hour before the draft that Paulo was going to be the guy, that Houston would just be like, oh, shit, panic, and offer, like, 10 first-round picks, which the likelihood of that happening wasn't wasn't very high either. So... I, I don't understand. If Paolo was always your guy, then why hide why hide that? He, you know, it just you know. And why not like trade why up not talk to him more? Why weren't why that weren't too, they, they didn't bring him for a workout? Well, there was there were rumors that he like Chet didn't want to go there. So I don't know if that played into it either. Um, and Jabari wanted to be the guy. He was the only guy that I guess wanted to be in Orlando and was like disappointed he didn't go one. But again, I don't think people were offering you these Godfather packages to to trade up for Jabari. They were only doing that for Paulo and Chet. And that's that they basically that that wasn't what the smoke signal was for for two months. And also, everybody was like, OKC okay, so loves Chet, so OKC okay, so just gets Chet. They don't have to do any work at I. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. All right. Putting a bow on this house, your favorite trade is still the Knicks for Donovan Mitchell? Yes. 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 You're not enticed at all by my Orlando or Sacramento moves. I like both of them fine, but I think the Knicks make, make the most sense. And there's always uh, a part of me that likes, you know, when there's a, there's a buzz at MSG, I like the Knicks to be relevant. So like it when they're dead as basketball fans, I think Knicks, I still think Orlando would be really fun. My top two, I think, would be Knicks, Orlando, and probably Sacramento with the bronze. What do you, Saruti, you're recused from an Orlando vote, but who would be your favorite non-Orlando Mitchell team? It's the Knicks. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm notoriously an anti-Heat guy, so I, I would be bummed if you went there. Um, and JJ needs this. Come on, for the New York pod. Like, we, we need this for JJ. I mean, JJ, it's all coming up. JJ these days. The Yankees. JJ's talking about 120 regular season wins. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's talking himself uh, into Tua being a sleeper uh, for comeback player of the year. Even, am I allowed to talk about Zach Wilson? Work in silence and let success be your noise. I mean, speaking <laughs> of things, things happening in New York that are exciting. Yeah, I like very it. exciting. I love having the the most eligible bachelor. Uh, we're gonna take one more break. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. The experts at eBay know that inspecting every tick of your next watch is time well spent. When you see the blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, 
you can trust that every tick of your next timepiece is authentic. Time and time again, every movement inspected, every crown checked, and face verified. eBay dedicates time to the details, and with authenticity guarantee, they've got your back. Shop with the same confidence you'll feel when you put on that new timepiece. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. All right, we're going to do a little trade value and then British Open, and then we're going to wrap it up because it doesn't look like there's going to be a trade. So you, you, uh, you're you on the secret committee that helps me with the trade value list, along with at least one other person who should be named, uh, remain nameless. Did a lot of, lot of back and forth. What was what was what were you the most offended by in the list on the trade value list? What was the one that you just couldn't get past? Offended by, um, I always have trouble with the young guys. I always have trouble with the first year guys and the and the guys who have, have just been drafted. So I just I you know that I understand exactly how and why it is that this list comes together in the manner that it does. I just Having Cade Cunningham and Scotty Barnes together at the 15-16 spot, you know, uh, um, across, I understand how important those assets are to those teams, but um, it just seems crazy to me when you look at some guys, you know, beneath of them. Like like Zion is below them. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, Yeah. I get it. Or or like Carl Anthony Towns or, or Kawhi. Like, I mean... Ka- Ka- Kawhi is going to go down in history as having taken two, the MVP of two different teams in, in, in the in the two conferences. Like it's just it's just the the um, the visceral reaction to that. That's all. It's not really even a complaint. Yeah, but if you, you were Toronto, mean? yeah, you're right. I mean, I get it. But if you're Toronto, there's no way you're trading Scotty Barnes for Kawhi Leonard. I don't see how you couldn't if you're Toronto. Do you want to try and win the championship again, Kawhi Leonard? single-handedly led you to winning the NBA championship. You don't think, and everybody in Toronto was heartbroken when he left. They understood it, but they were heartbroken. Now, I I get how everybody um, can talk themselves into the multi-faceted, dynamic player that the rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes, who really came out of left field, except for when we talked about him on the gambling podcast and gave him out at 10 to 1, Thank you very much. And a lot of our listeners, your listeners, thank you for that as well. But Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, healthy Kawhi. That's all. One of the reasons I think young players get valued like that is because you're getting the whole journey. You know, you're trading 15 years of a guy. It's just a daunting thing to think about. Like I think about Pierce. Pierce shows up in Boston in 98. We had him till 13. You know, we had him for a decade and a half. It was fucking awesome. There's a couple moments when we almost didn't have him where he got, you know, first of all, he almost got stabbed to death, which he recovered from and played 82 games or 81 games, whatever. Um, but then he almost left in 2005. He almost got traded. 07 seemed like he might potentially get traded if they tanked. But you go on these journey with these guys and I think somebody like Barnes or Kate or even like Trey Young, they're at the beginning of this 
run, you know? And I think there's real value to that with the young kids are buying their jerseys. And I, I just think teams, I think they factor it in. And I also think like, if you're, if you're looking at somebody like Kawhi, like he's had a couple of major injuries at this point, you know, and he's been in, sure. league, been in the league. So he was in the 2011 draft. So am I paying for past performance? So I, I think I agree with you. It's really, it's a, always a fun list and a weird list to put together because you're putting Scotty Barnes in front of Carl Anthony Towns. Right. Right. Who was a third team all NBA guy last year. Yeah, that's right. But I think it's the right call. I, I understand it. I also, I don't have an answer for what to do with Zion or about Zion. I just, he continues to me to be a franchise cornerstone guy. He's so young. And what yeah. he showed us in, in the 60 games that he's played in his NBA career is so transcendental. It's like it's, he's a one of one. Uh, and you just have to talk yourself into the notion that, that he's not going to have these repeated injuries that he keeps having. <laughs> but holy cow, like I, I, I don't I'm not even I'm not even saying that he belongs anywhere else on this list. My, my the big quibble I have with the top. Um, 15 is Paul George and and for many of the reasons that that you, we just went through a guy who's also had you know some injury mileage on him a guy so I had that, him 14 yeah so I don't it, for the for the reasons that we talked about why Kawhi you know belongs where he belongs I would put Paul George in that category as well I would have you know uh a, a Brandon Ingram or, or or Bam up higher I think you're right I think that was one of my regrets because you're not the first person to mention that one to me, just that his body's been pretty banged up, you know, and whether he could be 100% next year, who knows, but, and I'm, I'm sure he probably will be, but it's that surgery point of no return. I always mention Blake Griffin with that, where it's like, all right, he's had this, he's had, and now all of a sudden he's like, oh shit, he's had five things. Um, I really value the, the stuff that he did in the playoffs two years ago, though. Playoff P, your guy. I thought, you know, I thought he showed out, but you're right. That was probably, you know, a couple of people mentioned LaMelo to me. I had LaMelo 33. I had him in that Palo Chet, Darius Green, Jalen Green, Jabari, LaMelo. And people are like, why wasn't LaMelo higher? Why do you have Cade Cunningham 15th and LaMelo 33rd? I guess for me, I'm just not positive LaMelo's a winning player yet. He's got to prove it to me. Sure. I, it's, it's I believe fair. Cade is. I think he's a winning player. Yep. Yeah. I'm not positive what LaMelo is yet. I don't know if he's a fantasy stats, really fun to watch, looks great on TikTok guy who's going to be between 30 and 40 wins every year, or can I actually build a real winning team around him? He's so young. Um, that That's the thing that really commends him. And that's, you know, the, he, he has already demonstrated at his young age such a uh, an IQ offensively. Yeah. So if you wanted to move him up higher, I, w I wouldn't argue with it. Yeah, because I think about like Zach Levine at 27 for Chicago and it's, I don't know, it, it, if they offered Zach Levine for LaMelo, I just don't think Charlotte's even considering that. I agree. I totally agree with that. So yeah, that's why that this list we've had, you know, we've had draft uh, after draft and I'm always like changing my mind left and right on different things. Bradley Beal, I ended up putting him 43 <laughs> and you had a lot uh -huh. of input in that. It was weird. You started defending him at one point. You're like, wait a second. I know he's overpaid, but come on. We're not trading Bradley Beal for Desmond Bain. He's got to be 40, you know, 43 or lower. Yeah. Yeah. Like just on a, a pure talent basis and what he might fetch in return 
when he demands the trade that he's going to demand. Uh, I went on Ben Standig's podcast, the, the Standig Room Only, mm. and we just did a deep dive uh, on the Wizards and our over-under for when Beal demands his his trade is... 1-1-2024. We, we gave him the benefit of like 18 months, like a, a year and a half. And both of us took the under. So we, we will have a, a, a true test as to what his trade value um, it is. And I don't think, you know, Washington won't be in a mode where they want back uh, a star player. They're going to want back picks and, and stuff to build on because they're finally going to do the rebuilding that they should have done, undertaken, you know, a handful of years ago. Unless but, you trade uh, for everything for Donovan Mitchell, then it won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I wonder if he does want the trade. God, I hope my team's not involved. I think my team would be smart enough not to trade for a guy making $50 million a year, but what do I know? The NFL uh, surprises before. Uh, all right, before we do British Open, have you, have you started doing NFL homework yet? Oh, not only have I started doing the homework, you know we're getting ready on the Ringer Gambling Show to start doing some division odds, pick some mm. division winners. So I've already that that my the two things that I'm I'm deepest in on already, and I've bet um, this one particular one too many too many ways. I'm so out on Tennessee. I I can't come up with yeah, a single I scenario. I have Indianapolis winning that division. I have Tennessee missing the playoffs. I have Tennessee under on their wins. The only thing that really gives so their Tennessee plus one sixty, Colts minus one fifteen. They were even, what a month ago? A month ago. So there's been yeah. more Colts action than some tight, tight shorting. Go ahead. It's it's just Vrabel. Vrabel, um, all season last year, they they pulled out wins out of very unlikely circumstances. They pulled out wins where the metrics did not support them going it. You know, they win. They they had some important wins on the road. It was all sm smoke and mirrors. And then ultimately they were done in at the very beginning of their first opportunity in the, in the playoffs by Ryan Tannehill. And that's the issue. And I don't think that the hangover, the tang, the, the Tannehill stink over is, 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 is dissipated at all. And, and the, the little hissy fit that he threw the Tennessee drafted the quarterback. I think that's going to be the identity of the team. Mm. And that's why I'm fading them every which way I can. I also, I might be in a, on an island. Just by the way. Go ahead. Thank you for not mentioning how screwed we were by that Tannehill performance in the playoff game. Uh, well, I, I take these things personally. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm nothing if not a petty gambler. And so that, when, I when I lose I, big. I don't even know what my worst football loss was last year. I had dinner with, uh, with Sal and the great Rob Stone on Tuesday night, Manhattan oh, Beach. It was great. You had had an awesome time. Uh, we had some pork chops. But Sal and I, we were like, was last year just an inordinate amount of just horrible gambling losses? Like the like the the Chiefs just losing the Bengals game with the they it seemed like they were gonna go up by three touchdowns heading into halftime and they lost. <laughs> and I don't think that was my worst bet of the year or worst loss of the year. I was trying to think of my worst loss of the year. I still think it's that game where Jared Goff on like fourth and twelve with no time remaining threw the touchdown and killed our tees. I still think that's number one for me. But Tannehill well, we, is in the top three. We had we were so loaded up on on Detroit uh with the worst record. We had worst record. We had whoever the hell they were playing that week and a three teamer that yeah. that oh my God, it was freaking Jared Goff. <laughs> he did it. He did it to us. 
the the other team, and it's too early for this, uh, and I haven't really had the opportunity to dive into Warren Sharp's new book, yeah, which is is out and available uh, for sale, five hundred and seventy pages or something crazy like that. Um, I'm really skeptical of San Francisco. I really feel like they're they're uh, they they're seeing something in Trey Lance that that the rest of us haven't seen, and I don't like the fact that Debo Samuel understanding what he was going to to uh, be confronted with coming into this season has to be traded months ago. I, I don't like that because you know who knows what kind of quarterback Trey Lance might be and yeah. what kind of opportunities are going to be there? Debo Samuel. And I think that they... I, I, I don't know what the options were because Jimmy G was hurt, but just like biting down so hard on Trey Lance to the at, at the expense of of Jimmy G. I mean, Jimmy G is a competent game manager. They were but like he's also two players, and then Jimmy I, G did I'll, the belated surgery. He did that whole. Thing. I know, I know, I know. He did it to himself, but I'm just saying, um, it feels like the Niners could have handled all of 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 that a little bit better. And I I'm I'm just skeptical of the Niners. That's all I'll say. I started doing work. I'm about to on the vacation, really throwing myself into it. But I, there's a couple divisions. I just, they don't look right to me. The odds don't look right. Like one of them is the Packers. And I know a lot, Minnesota's starting to get some buzz, but to they me, are. The, the, just not having Mike Zimmer to me is three wins. Like just three more. <laughs> that's plus three. <laughs> I don't know what their record for was last year. Were they eight, nine, nine and eight? I don't remember. Plus three. Plus three from last year. Um, and then Green Bay, the receivers with Lazard is now the new Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard. Yeah. Christian Watson, rookie receiver. As you know, it, it could be great. It could be absolutely horrendous with the rookie receiver. You just don't know. Don't know. And then Randall Cobb for year 130. And Tanyan. And those are all his weapons. And then uh, I guess the running game. I know their defense the, is good. I get it. Both but, running backs can catch the ball out of the backfield. And that's what Packers fans keep telling me is, is how they're going to offset some of it schedule like they're playing Minnesota at Minnesota week one and then you think like all right let's say Minnesota wins that oh now we get at Philly week two Detroit week three at New Orleans week four Chicago at Miami Arizona week seven like I I, I just like the Minnesota three to one on FanDuel to win that division I thought was good I might have to crash your pot even though I'm on vacation next week the other one I was looking at the Saints were plus 450 and and it's like, well, the Sean Payton, it's a new transition. It's like, is it? They have a lot of good players. What if Olave is just good right away? Sure. What if Winston comes back and is actually, you know, little little wizened? Michael Thomas, what if he comes back? I don't what know, the plus really 450 seem crazy. Yeah, what you're really gambling on there is a Brady injury. Because if yeah. anything at all happens to Brady... Then, then, then we're really talking about a legit um, Duke them out, and you're not Top worried heavy about Bucks team. And plus, you have Carolina and Atlanta in that it. division. You're not they worried about Carolina or Atlanta. That's exactly right. That so that that's why that amounts to value. That's why I like that one. And then uh, the other one was was just I still don't understand why since he's not favored in the AFC North, and I'm going to spend a lot of time investigating that. Baltimore's better odds than them in the AFC North since he's. I like Baltimore better. I bought Baltimore at 24 to 1 to win the Super Bowl this upcoming season. I think this is the Lamar year. 
Because he was like going Baltimore. after Bernard Carmel Pollard on Twitter. He's going after everybody. He's going. He's, he's not standing for it. What he's happens if he goes after Sheriff himself. Draymond? There's, does the sheriff come at him? What happens? <laughs> is that like the two Spider-Mans? That's exactly what that is. Pats have stayed tight at plus four fifty. What speaking of gambling, what do you got for us for British Open? Because we've had day one is in the books. By the time people hear this, they'll have plenty of time to uh jump in. Now, the irony of all of this is your guy, Rory. Your I can't quit you guy. You have Rory's golf shirt on your in your little locker in your Heath Ledger trailer that you sniff his PGA championship shirt every once in a while and you tell Rory you can't quit him. Um He's plus 340 now. By far the best odds on FanDuel. Cam Smith is 7-1. People are thinking this could be this could be the Rory week. Well, one of those people is me. And on the <laughs> Fairway Rolling podcast, both on Monday and, and the show published on Wednesday, I was very unabashed in my enthusiasm for Rory because I think the combination of the moment, the historical moment, the it's the 150th Open Championship. It is possibly the last that Tiger Woods will ever play at St. Andrews. Um, and, you know, this this crucial sort of juncture in terms of uh, the impact of the Live Tour. And yeah. it, this could be the last time that this group of professionals is all together on, a, on the stage that they're on. And I just think that narrative portion of it all by itself speaks in favor of Rory. But Rory's also been playing awesome lately. It's also the case that he um, hasn't won a major since 2014, the Open Championship in 2014. He was supposed to defend. He hasn't that won title. a major in eight years. No, he has not. And this is like I didn't you know, the, it was that long. I knew I thought it was like five or six. Jesus, he was he was supposed to defend his his British Open title at St Andrews in 2015, and he went out with his buddies a few weeks beforehand and played soccer. They had a little kickabout, and he busted his ankle. And he was out for several months and he hasn't won a major since. I feel like the golf gods have looked at this time. That's a that's a very reasonable penance time. Yeah. He's paid his penance. And now on this stage at this moment, he he comes on and this is his 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 time to shine. So I like Rory. I, that 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 was my on the podcast, my number one uh guy. The odds were brutal. They're like eight and a half to one or nine to one coming in and now they're just down to, to plus 340. The odds are still, you know, not great, but I think he's going to win. So any, um, any long shot wild cards for us? Not, not really. Um, the, the, um, most disappointing thing is Tiger Woods looks like he's going to miss the cut and that's going to, um, that was my cost, next question. Cost us some money. We're, we're, we're sad. If I didn't have the joy in my life this week from Zach Wilson, who works in silence and let success be his noise. If I didn't have that joy in my life, I would be extra sad uh, about Tiger because Tiger had circled this tournament on his calendar. He really, as soon as he discovered that his leg, he was going to be able to walk again, I believe that he said, I'm going to get to St. Andrews. I'm going to play in that tournament. And after what we witnessed with our own two eyes together at Augusta National, watching him limp around there and make the cut at the Masters and then follow that up by making the cut. He's never been the same since he made the cut. What we saw with our two eyes, he has been the same guy since that day, golfing. He made the cut at the PGA Championship also. um, I know, but I mean, he just... And he withdrew after he made the cut. So, but he looked very good and he practiced more than any other time in since since the car accident. And now there was a lot of enthusiasm for him. 
So uh, I'm disappointed to not have him for the weekend, but you know, it's going to be an incredible tournament. The names at the top of the leaderboard are, are very sexy. I mean, you, you know, are, so other, are, other than Tiger Rory is the, the most casual golf fan interest guy left on the tour. Would you say? Yeah, uh, well, J- Justin Thomas gets a ton of love, and no, no, the- I think Rory. I I think he's more. Well, Jordan Jordan Spieth also has a lot of charisma, and the way that he was on on the scene, I think people he's yeah, still that, very recognizable and very. That popular. scenario, that scenario makes it seem like he could win another major, though. That's not fair. Who, Jordan Spieth? Spieth. Yeah, he can win another major. He definitely can win another. I major. I know, but we know. I don't we, think he's going to win this major, deep, but he could win down. another major. Yeah, we know. Yeah. We we probably know. I don't, I don't. He's lost my trust. <laughs> Another guy. This is Tommy Fleetwood. I finally didn't bet on him in the British Open. I broke my four years. I didn't bet on anybody. I decided, you know what? I'm wrong all the time, and I'm out. Ustazen, I thought looked a little tasty. I forget what his odds were, but that was one that. Well, he's like in the fifty to fifty-five to one, and and he was hurt. He pulled out of of the Masters. Um, he he, and he joined the Live Tour, and his sponsors dumped him. Yeah. Um, so you don't know what kind of impact, if any, that that's going to have. But there are some live guys uh, pretty far up the leaderboard. Lee Westwood's tied for fifth uh, right now. Taylor Taylor Gooch is also tied for fifth. Dustin Johnson is also tied for fifth. Those are three. And and look at Ian Poulter, who wow. was booed on the first tee and Snap took his drive on the first, tied for 13th at, at, at three under. Bryson DeChambeau, tied for 13th at three under. Live is showing out. And maybe it's just because it's, it's it's Thursday uh, yeah. and all these guys will fade away. But, you know, Phil Mickelson went around this golf course, shot even par, beat Tiger Woods by six strokes today. I mean, we might be in an alternate universe. I don't know what to tell you. So the live thing, is it bigger than you thought it would be? Um, Much bigger. And yeah. it's going to continue to be big. We talked about this when we were together in Boston for the U.S. Open. Yeah, I you, think were, your, you your seemed surprised then that it was even bigger than we thought then, but now it feels twice as big as it did when we were in Boston. Because you you made the great point. There there really hasn't been anything since we've been alive where a sport has gone through a disruption like this. No, no prof- I mean, you know, we've had we we saw the USFL try and do something. That was never a disruption. The ABA was the closest, but we were so young at that point. We were kids. Yeah. We just knew they had Dr. J and we didn't understand why he couldn't be in our league, but we barely even knew who he was because there was no video of anything. Yeah. There's There's, been, there's been nothing close to this. And it's about to get bigger. Yeah. We, we talked about this a little bit. Wait till Donald Trump hosts at his venue, um, at the end of August, early September. Wait till that happens. The only thing I can compare it to is when it seemed like the streamers were going to upend movie theaters. And it was just like, wow, so th- so we're doing this? This is just how it's going to be now? And then, you know, the movie theaters made the dramatic comeback this year. And now, I don't know, it feels a little more stable. But it, I do wonder if this is going to lead to what we talked about in Boston about if this, if people perceive this live thing to be actually successful for removing the Saudi element of this. Let me talk about that. Just the actual concept of, hey, here's a new league that's backed by a ton of money. Could that lead to a basketball version of this? Because I think basketball would be the sport where it could happen. There was a lot of that kind of talk the last labor lockout, right? Um, yeah. We, we wondered I, aloud. Yeah. In 2011, Kang and I, did right. the, uh, we did a whole basketball league. Like if some billionaires came in and just tried to do their own version of a league and 
you know, because you need, but there's, there's like 50 really good to great NBA players and there's probably like 20 legitimately famous ones. So if you grab five, could you start a league? Yeah. Sure. I don't, get it, would it get work? It. Probably not. But fi- fi- find some stadiums, do some, some, some five-year leases, get a TV deal. I mean, you know, the, the Amazon might take a dabble, right? There's some, we can think of some folks who have some money who might be interested in, in exploring the space. But that's the thing with the amount of money that the rights are going to go to for the next NBA. You're talking billions and billions of dollars. You could make the case Amazon or Apple is just better off creating their own league and giving the money directly to the players and doing it that way. Sure. I mean, what Apple just did with the Major League Soccer, that play where they're going to, they took over all of that broadcast. Uh, and I think ultimately there will be some combination with like the Mexican league. There'll be this North American soccer thing. Yeah. And they're the first movers on it. I mean, it's, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I wonder, I don't think it would work for basketball. I think you'd have to get half the players. I think the fans would really hate it. Yeah. But that's the funny thing is the golf fans really hate this live thing. Now it hasn't totally affected it because they got the live guys can still play the majors, which is the most important piece of this. I think if, that's right. If you didn't have the live guys and the majors, this would be at another level of disgust. That's the chapter that's going to be written from, you know, starting Monday into all the way up until the first week of April in 2023. Well, for you, it's more golf and it's more things to gamble on. Which are two things I, you like. Two things that I like. It's it's true. And and lots of villains in the live tour. So yeah, like, we, do, like, we a have lot golf of hate villains bets. now. When was the last time we had golf villains? This is a lot great. of hate bets. Well, Bryce yeah. is there. Patrick Reed is there. A lot of hate bets are out there. It's kind of fun. I enjoy that. Wonderful. Speaking of golf, I'll be playing a lot of golf over the next few weeks. Hopefully so with thrilled. you at some point. Uh, House, great to see you. Happy summer. I hope the Wizards don't overpay for a crazy Donovan Mitchell trade. I don't think they will, but oh, you'll be the first person I think of. And uh, it was good to see you. Thank you for spending time with me. Thank you, BS. I want you to have a great vacation. Let me leave you leave you with this this parting words of wisdom. Please just work in silence and let success be your noise. <laughs> I'm gonna try to do that. Thank you. Thank you, Zach Wilson, and thank you, House. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Kyle Crane for producing. Thanks to Steve Cerruti and Dylan Burke as always. Thanks to Joe House. And look, I know I'm going to be gone for a few weeks, but if you need some podcasts to listen to, go check out the Ringer Podcast Network. Man, we have some good ones. The Ringer NBA show is going to be humming. The Fantasy Football Podcast, which has been fantastic the last couple of weeks. They can help you prepare for your fantasy. Uh, we have some great pop culture podcasts. We're reacting. The Prestige Podcast, the Reality Podcast, the Big Picture, the Watch, um, Bachelor Party, the Bachelor's going out. I mean, we have a million podcasts. Go check it out on theringer.com or just subscribe to them or follow them on Spotify and you will have plenty of time to kill. I will see you sometime in August, sometime in the middle of August and we're, from that point on, it's going to be football, basketball, hopefully a lot of celebrity interviews because I think um, we're going to be able to get some people back in the studio and we're going to experiment with a whole bunch of different stuff. I'm looking forward to it. And thanks as always for listening. Stay tuned for next week. We're going to release our interview feed as well. And I'll have more details on that on this feed with a little promotional thing next week. So stay tuned for that. Enjoy uh, the majority of the summer. I'll see you in August. I